Welcome to Inside the Match, where Alex and Simone talk residency applications. We are two residents here to help you navigate the match. For each podcast, we'll bring you residents from various specialties and backgrounds to give advice. So today we are super excited to have Bianca and Vinny, who are residents in OBGYN and pediatrics. So thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having us. We're so excited. So where are you both interns? The University of Kentucky Medical Center, and Bianca is in OBGYN, and I am doing the pediatrics. So in order to get to know you a little bit better, we like to ask some rapid fire questions. So were either of you AOA? No. Were either of you Gold Humanism? No. Were either of you president of your specialty club? Nope. So how did you decide which programs you guys were going to apply to? So I think we both wanted a large academic institution, but we also wanted to be together. And we knew from talking to others who had successfully couples matched that it was really important to apply broadly. So we ended up applying to academic, hybrid, and community programs. But we didn't know like how the couples match would work for us because I am a DO applicant and Bianca is an MD applicant. But one thing that I would really say definitely helped um, even get like a sense of what programs were about was getting on social media. Like I didn't have an Instagram and I didn't have a Twitter account, but I noticed that a lot of programs because they were doing the virtual happy hours, posting news and things like that on their Instagram and social media, Twitter accounts, I got on. So I created an account and it really actually helped during interviews too, because near the end of the questions or whatnot, or why would you be interested? I would always mention, I would say, you know, I like your community service, your advocacy work. And by the way, I love your Instagram story or I love your Twitter account. I think it's so cool that you guys have a Halloween party and things like that. I think it also really helped like get a sense for like what the community was like. I love that. To be able to learn a lot about a program through social media, you can learn about the activities that they do and how they really interact with one another. And so I'm curious when you were just to figuring out community versus academic and hybrid, Bianca, how did you ultimately ultimately decide where you really wanted to go. Yeah, so um, I came from a major academic medical school. Um, so I was involved in a lot of research. So I think just having that mindset, I knew that I wanted to go into more of an academic environment. But then my husband, he was in mainly like more community centers. So I think um, it was more of a compromise and just trying to see what we both really wanted. But it actually turned out that over 80% of my interviews were academic. And I think that was mainly just due to the amount of research I had. And we were fortunate that he also had a really great overlap as well. And it sounds like you guys ended up applying to a lot of programs. And sometimes when you're couples matching, you may not get the same interviews. So how many overlapping programs did you interview at? We were really fortunate that we had um, over 20 overlapping programs. Um, we both interviewed at a few more, and that was just mainly due to scheduling issues because for OBGYN and a few other fields, there are set interview release dates. Um, but then for some of the other fields like pediatrics and internal medicine, they just start releasing immediately. So he would have interviews early on that I was unable to get later. So he would interview a few more and then I would if he was unable to get an interview there. 
And let's say one of you got an interview at a particular program, but the other didn't get an interview at the time. How did you coordinate or request an interview from the other specialty? Yeah, so whoever did not get the interview would reach out to either the PD, definitely the PC, and we would write an email. It would have something along the lines of why they wanted an interview with the program. They would point out that the other person had an interview with the program, and we would always have the contact information to the program where the significant other would have the invite. Right. So, for example, for the program that we matched at, at you. Okay. And he actually got his interview first. So I reached out to the OBGYN department at UA and I emailed the program manager and the program director. And I said how I was really interested, how my pen fiance had an interview there, when his interview date was, um, and the contact information for the pediatric department and how I was really hoping that I would also be granted an interview and luckily within like a day or so, I was then granted an interview there. Um, and we would typically do that um, one to two days after the first person got the invite. But let's say that they didn't answer my email, which happened, then he would reach out to the pediatric department and say, you know, we're couples matching. We really want to be at the same, you know, institution or the same area. Would it be possible for you to reach out to the OBGYN department and put in a good word for her? I love that idea of not only reaching out to the program coordinator and program director of your own program when your spouse gets an interview, but also for your spouse or significant other to reach out to their program coordinator and director as well. All you can do is ask. They can always say no or not respond to the email, but it's worth an ask. Yeah. And we had a lot of times where they wouldn't answer and that was okay You just got to roll with the punches. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So, you know, throughout the interviews, uh, talking about the couples match is an opportunity for you to discuss how you're really excited about moving to a new city together. So can you describe ways in which we should bring this up in conversation during our interviews? Absolutely. I would say the most important thing that you can do if you're a couples match applicant during your interview is always mention that you are a couples match applicant and mention your significant other. There were many interviews where I would almost get to the end and I would feel like they haven't brought it up. Do they know? And then I would mention it. And then the program director would be like, oh, yes, we do see here you're a couples match applicant. Because you usually get asked during an interview, why our program, dot, dot, dot. And that is a great time to mention your significant other and mention that they're also looking forward to their interview if they have one for their respective program. That's so awesome. What a great way to be able to remind them in a friendly manner because it ends up being a conversation piece as well. Yeah. So I would also mention it if a interviewer, you know, said, tell me a little bit about yourself. I would kind of throw it in at the tail end and see if it would get me anywhere. But another kind of unique spot where I would include it would be during the resident meet and greet the night prior. So, you know, you are in a Zoom room, 
you're all saying who you are. And I would say, you know, I'm, you know, my name, where my medical school is. And I would say that I'm also couples matching. And that was for me to see, you know, are there any other current residents who couples match? Because they would often be excited and say, oh, like me too. And he or she is in so-and-so. So I thought that that was like a really kind of more fun spot for an applicant to be able to determine is this program couples match friendly or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an awesome tip. And it's also a way for you to discuss how their journey was through the couples match because it is so unique and it really is like a small club of people that share common experiences and stressors through the match. Throughout the interviews, we always get some really tough questions. And I'm curious if either of you got any really hard questions during your residency interviews and how you answered those questions. But the tough questions for me were when I would start a virtual interview, the person would not really seem very interested, or this was like a last minute kind of thing for them to be interviewing me. And they would just go right into a question and they would say, oh, like an ethics question be, oh, how would you handle this situation X, Y, Z? And a good strategy that I learned for when you're in that position and they haven't hit you with the, why are you interested in our program? Or tell me a bit about yourself is use these questions to your advantage. So if they don't give you the, tell me a little bit about yourself, and they give you that ethics question out the gate, say, you know, I think you would understand my answer a little bit more if you knew a little bit about me and take that first, you know, 15 seconds to answer that question and give them that little condensed version of you. So I would say some lines of, you know, you'd understand my answer a little more if you know a little about me, you know, I'm from a small town and I've done a lot of community service work and you know, that might give you a better understanding of why I would do things a certain way or how my thought processes work and just kind of spin the question to work for you. Wow, that is such a great tip. And uh, you are a great interviewee to be able to do that, Vinny, with confidence. He definitely is. He's better than I am. (laughs) (laughs) And what about you, Bianca? Um, I feel like I blacked out for most of the interview season. Um, I think it's, you know, it's really stressful to have, especially in like the virtual setting to have, you know, an interview day pack back and it all kind of blends and meshes. Um, I think the ethical questions are definitely the hardest. And I did have a lot of them, um, on my OBGYN interviews, but I did have a really weird one that I remember in a program director asked me, you know, if I was on the highway and I was passing a billboard that said that there was a new doctor in the area and there was a photo of you, what would you want it to say about you? And I was just totally caught off guard because I've never imagined myself on any sort of Well, now, Bianca, we do need the answer to that question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, I think I sort of muddled my way through it, but I was trying to kind of like quickly condense my personal statement. And that was kind of what I went with. So I think as long as you know your application really, really, really well, and you're able to have um, kind of like programmed patient encounters for certain situations that you remember, I think you'll be an awesome applicant. So let's say we get home after our interview, you know, or we are home because it's virtual and all we want to do is sleep because we're exhausted by the day, but we wake up the next morning and we wonder whether or not we should send thank you notes after our interviews. Did you find that uh, it was helpful to send those thank you notes in order to summarize uh, um, what, you know, the programs meant to you during your interview day? And would you recommend that applicants send those? 
That's a really good question. Uh, for me, most programs I interviewed at did not want a thank you letter. Um, I think because the season was virtual and this was the first time it was like this, I think they were already getting bombarded with emails. So more often than not, the programs would say, we don't want a thank you letter. But my advice to applicants this year would be this. If at the end of your interview day, you haven't explicitly heard from someone that they don't want a letter, just ask before the interview day is over. Um, almost all of them will tell you it won't influence your application in any way, but if you want to send one, feel free. If I did send a thank you, it would be an email and it was usually within the week I had my interview. That's a great tip. And it's really important for people to recognize that it is not required, but it can be an opportunity for you to showcase your interest in a program, especially if it's at the top of your list. And Absolutely. what about Bianca from the OBGYN perspective? Did you find it was necessary to send those thank you notes? Yeah. So I, I actually had a different experience and I was told that after every interview, you need to send a thank you note to the program manager and to the program director. Um, if I really liked the program, I would then um, send out extra thank yous to residents who interviewed me or faculty who interviewed me. But I, I wouldn't do that for every interview because again, it's just, it's, you know, certain, certain days you may interview with like 13 people and it's just too many especially when you're interviewing at a lot of programs for the couples match. Um, that's really a lot more programs than a lot of people are typically applying to. Right. So a lot of the times during this process, we have mentors that help us throughout the way, whether it's writing our letters of recommendation or helping us put together programs to apply to, or even putting together our rank list. So I'm wondering if you reached out to mentors at the end of your interview journey to help when you're putting that rank list together. I think for the couples match, you're really dependent on your significant other or your sibling or whoever you're applying with. Um, I think that's going to be the bulk of the commentary. But I did, um, I was fortunate that I had a career teen at my school and a faculty advisor. So I asked both of them about their input. And then what about you, Vinny? Um, I, I did not. Um, I actually had one of the doctors I rotated with did her residency at one of the programs I applied to, but she wrote me a very strong letter. So I felt like that was appropriate enough, but I didn't have a uh, career advisors or much of that at, um, at my school. In going through this process is really stressful, whether or not you have mentors that are assisting you throughout the way, you do have to figure out how you are going to make your rank list. So do you have any tips when couples are trying to put this rank list together through all the different types of programs they're interviewing at? It's extremely overwhelming, um, especially because you have no idea what you really want. And now you have to, you know, involve someone else's emotions and experiences along with it. So we actually had this master um, Excel spreadsheet and I had my own page and he had his own page. And then we had like this joint page. So as we were interviewing, we would each rank our programs individually. Um, and then right before rank lists were due, we looked at both of them side by side and allocated points. So um, let's say, you know, you interview only at 10 programs and you each are interviewing at 10 each. 
Um, your number one program would have an allotment of 10 points, and then it would go all the way down to your 10th ranked program that would be awarded one point. And then you would do that for the other partners list. And then you would take both of those lists and the average number of points for each universal program or universal area or combo. And then you would be able to, to determine more of a, an objective way of ranking. So, you know, program A, um, if you both loved it and it had the highest amount of points on average, then it would be in the first spot. And then you would kind of just code down based off of the average number of points. It was a little strange, but that was the most objective way that we were able to kind of figure it out. Oh my goodness. That sounds really complicated, but also impressive that you guys were able to do, do that and really look at what each other's interests were. And were there programs that Bianca loved and Vinny hated, or were there ones that Vinny loved and, and Bianca hated throughout this process? Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I think looking back, we both agreed that we wished we were more objective as we were going through the list, but it's tough. I mean, you get out of your first interview or your second interview and you go and you're like, man, I loved that program. I was on fire. They had this, 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 and that. I'm super excited. And then, you know, it, it's wonderful to share, but, you know, maybe if you're significant other, you know, they have an interview coming up, they remember your excitement. And I think there's a little bit more pressure. So I think my advice to people would be, you have to be selfish at some point. Um, if you share your feelings early on before your partner's interview, they might be biased towards the program. And that could be either positive or negative because there were some programs that I absolutely loved. And, you know, Bianca would finish an interview and I'd be waiting there looking for her reaction. And she'd kind of shrug her shoulders and be like, they're good. They're not great. They're good. <laughs> and I would do the same for her. <laughs> Well, I would have loved to see those reactions after the interviews. And those are such great points to make that not everyone is going to love the same institution. Institutions have different program directors in each specialty, which run their programs in different residents. So not all institutions are overall alike, and you have to treat each specialty in its unique way. And I will also add, um, you know, I think it's important to have an honest conversation with your partner when you start about how many hours apart you're willing to kind of separate for. Um, we personally were only willing to be apart by like three hours, but I know some people didn't care if they were across the country, so they had almost 300 ranks. Um, we only had 64 and that was the maximum number that we were comfortable with. But I think it's important to have that conversation right before you start. That is a great point and really helps when you're putting that rank list together to figure out which combinations you are willing to make. And you guys have shared with us so many fantastic tips about this entire couples match journey from one applying to ob -Kind, to applying to pediatrics, to being an MD and a DO going through this process. Do you have any other tips that you would like to share with us? The one thing I would like to tell people is don't be afraid to send out the emails we were the first group to go through with it being virtual and we knew everyone was getting bombarded with emails, but 
Again, this is your year that you're applying for residency. You've worked so hard over these past couple of years. Don't be afraid to send the email. If there were some programs that maybe they got our emails and they were just like, well, that's it. I'm not going to give them an interview. Then, you know, maybe you don't want to go there in the first place. But I think the worst thing that could happen is a program is going to say no, but you got to put yourself out there because no one is going to be a better advocate than you. So true. It's you and your significant other that are going through this together and you need to advocate for yourself and for each other. And so we'd love to end our podcast with something totally unrelated to the couples match or medicine. So will you each share a fun fact with us? Yeah, I'll say a fun fact about me. Um, So at my school, they were offering during your third and fourth year, so it was a two-year master's, uh, a master's of science in medical education. So I got that going through third year clinical rotations and during the whole residency process. And I personally got it because I wanted to be involved with some kind of teaching um, later on down the road, but it was also great for interviews. I had it on my application and people brought it up a lot. That's so cool. And it's so great to think that people cared about it and wanted to learn more because it is a large part of your application, but also a part of your career moving forward to be an educator. And what about you, Bianca? I'm not sure if it's really a pun packed, but I'm sure people may have noticed I do have a speech impediment. I have a stutter. Um, And, you know, going through medical training, I haven't met a lot of physicians or other students who have one. And I was really anxious um, actually about interviewing for residency because I thought people might think that I wasn't competent or couldn't speak to a patient. But I actually made sure that I included it in my personal statement. And for me, it was really helpful that kind of my biggest weakness and the thing that I was the most scared of was immediately shown to whoever was going to be interviewing me. And, you know, if they were like, she has a stutter, we don't want to interview her, then that's their loss. You know, um, that's kind of mentality that I had. Um, but you know, whoever is out there, if you have any speech impediments or stutters or anything that you're insecure about, I do think it's really helpful to mention it in your application. If it's something that you think will be coming up. It is so impressive that you were able to tell your own story and talk about it and not have people make assumptions, but be able to talk about it on your own through your personal statement. I think that is a wonderful opportunity for those that are out there trying to figure out what to write about. Well, that's all the time we have today with Bianca and Vinny. Thanks for joining us at Inside the Match. Special thanks to Kevin McCloyd for the music and be sure to follow or subscribe to our podcast. Catch our next podcast to learn more application tips and hear from another awesome resident or leader in medical education.